turn that off. <laughs> okay, testing. One, two, three. We're just going to see how all of our voices sound. Especially with that lovely noise of Worcester. Testing, testing, talking, speaking, laughing, everything. Hello, hello, yes, yes, testing one, two, three. Let's go. Checking, checking, what's up, what's up? Alright, what's going on guys? This is What Could Possibly Go Wrong. My name is Danny Phantom. I'm David Webb and today we have... Domingo Guyton. Hey, Domingo Guyton. That name rings bells, man. That name rings bells in Worcester. You know, you say that in the right crowd, people will be like, Mingo, Worcester! Uh, that's what's up. That's what's you know up. what I mean? Um, yeah, man. So I, I kind of just want to give um, our listeners um, an idea of who you are, um, because I consider you to someone to be uh, very influential, um, very inspiring, and I feel like you had a lot to do with um, my generation um, prospering as far as music, you know what I mean? Kind of gave like gave me an idea of like, yo, I could do this too. And then seeing Hope Records and all that, you know, like just very inspiring stuff ever since I met you at the Youth Center. Um, so I guess that would be, no, let's start, I mean, we can start there, but let's start before then. Um, what brought you to Massachusetts in general? Were you born in Mass? Or? I was born in Boston. Word. Went through hell in Boston, went through hell in Mattapan, Dorchester, Roxbury. Yes. And had to get out of that environment. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in high school, I was going to Charlestown High School, Boston Public Schools. I had, I took the SATs mm -hmm. and I applied to four uh, colleges. I applied to Framingham State, yep. I applied to Salem State, I applied to I said Framingham, Salem, Salem. Uh, Fitchburg State, yep. and Worcester State. So it was four state colleges I applied to. Yep. And so when I got accepted to all four, which was mm. cool, so it was like, all right, so where am I going to go? It's like, yeah. all right, well, you know what? I'm not going to go to Framingham. I just got kicked out of the Framingham public school system <laughs> in, the, in the 11th grade for fighting with some of the people that were in that were going to Framingham South at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to Framingham. No. I already know that's not going to Asking for problems. I'm not going to go to Salem because that's where everybody from Boston go. And I had issues mm. in Boston. That's why I had to get out of there. Yeah. So I don't know where Fitchburg is. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I know... When I, I spent 11 years going to Framingham yeah. Public Schools from Boston as a, a program called METCO. Okay. <clears throat> and so when we would be on the Mass Pike and we would get off of Framingham, the sign would always say 90 <laughs> West Worcester. Yes. yes. So I knew Worcester was past Framingham somewhere. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I want to go to Worcester. Yeah. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know anybody in Worcester. I can like restart my life. Yeah. I had just went through hell in Boston. And that's how I got here. Word. Word. So what year was that? Nineteen ninety three. I graduated wow. I graduated um Charlestown High School, nineteen ninety three. I came here in the summer of August in the AID program at Worcester State. They just celebrated fifty year anniversary yesterday. The AID program? That's why I'm here. Wow. And so uh, at Worcester State, we just uh, celebrated that yesterday. So, I came here, man. It was crazy. I came here, man. Was in Downton Hall, man. Just yeah, bright-eyed, seventeen-year-old kid <laughs> from Boston, man. I just, <laughs> man, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Yep. 
Yep. So I was a baby back then. So mm-hmm. could you give me and maybe some listeners an idea of what Worcester was like back then? Yeah, Worcester was really cool for me. Yeah. Now, people who live here, they have different contexts. Yeah. They, they're always born here. Yep. I was 17-year-old. I was stuck Brand up in new. the dorms yeah. up at Worcester State. So there was a Whitehead Pantry down there yep. where, where the... Um, May Street, Main and June. Yeah, May, yeah. May and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. May, like like where May the Seven Eleven is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's right. Right. So there's a White End Pantry there. Bagels and friends. And I used to leave the dorms at eleven o'clock, walk down there, buy White Owls, buy Backwoods, roll up, go back to the dorm. That's that's what I did. Yeah. And it was a safe haven because I didn't know nobody. It was yeah. like the suburbs. Yes, no, honestly. I, I mean, if they were, I didn't want to fight games. Yeah. And, and all, I, it, you know, it was a safe haven, man. And yeah. I really grew to love Worcester because I could just let my guard down. I could just chill. It wasn't people trying to kill me. Yes. And I would still carry, you know, yeah. but I wouldn't. It was... It was, yeah, it was more yeah, peaceful, way more peaceful. It was peaceful, peaceful. And, then, yeah. and at the time, I stopped counting. I was like, I'm not have to count. Yeah, I don't this even is, need this. This yeah. is chill. Yeah. And then my family stopped coming up. Yeah. They're like, yo, yo this is awesome. Boom. <laughs> so, man, every Friday night, man, the fellas would come up. They'd be staying in the dorm. They'd yeah. be like, yo, Worcester's on fire. <laughs> and that's that's how it started, man. It that's was dope. it was it was bomb for us, man. Word, word. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, so fifty years. What was the program you mentioned? I, it, was, I, it was at uh, Worcester State. It was Alternatives for Individual Development (AID) program. They were basically, uh, you know, at the time. Worcester State, and even still so, it's, it's a predominantly white campus. Mm-hmm. So they would bring in um, services that would have students of color and ways to help them get in and feel part of the community so they're not outcast and, and feeling like they're on this campus and they have nobody to connect to. Good. Mm. So that's they, it's been up there for 50 years. Okay. Wow. Cool. That's dope. And... Um, I forget his name, but I imagine he probably has something to do with it um, from the Upper Bound program. Sid Buxton. Sid. Sid, they, they yeah. honored him last night. Good. Sid Buxton got good. honored last night. Good. Yeah, man, good. Upper Bound. Yeah. They, they were doing all of that last night. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Yeah, Sid, he was very, um, like, just profound, you know what I mean? I And I met him at a super young age, like, similar to you when I started doing music, but, like, just the things he would have us talk about or think about in class and, like, just picked your brain in a different way and made you think of a bigger picture always. It was always the bigger picture with him, you know what I mean, yeah. and critical thinking. They were talking about that. That was what the the president said that last night, critical yeah. thinking. That's him. Yeah, so. That's it. Yeah. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. man I, I seen him, too. I was driving by, but I didn't, like, he was talk, walking with somebody. I didn't want to, like, pull over, sir. You know what I mean? Should've. I should have. I should have. Yeah, you would have. <laughs> what you doing? What you doing with your life right now? Put your seatbelt on. Yo, you should have shouted at him. Yeah, no, nah, I hope he's doing well. That's dope. That's good to hear. Man, so what was the celebration like last night? It was awesome, man. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, 50 years, there's a lot. I mean, there's probably, there was probably 250, maybe close to 300 people in the gym. Yeah. All reserved. I mean, they had they, wow. they, they had to push people away. Wow! So it was a it was a great celebration, man. And, uh, they showed a film that we worked on, just commemorating some nice. of the times. I'm still working on a film yeah. that's going to show in in uh, April, like a full length. 
Oh, so, so you gotta nice. come out to that because Sid's gonna be there. I'll be there. I'll you be gotta there come for out. Sure, for sure. He would love. I'm pretty sure he would love to see. Yeah, you. man. I'll bring Andre too, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was dope. Good times, man. Upper bound. I didn't realize the impact that it had on me so young. You know what I mean? Because after a while, I just stopped going. Mm-hmm. And my parents gave me the option. They're like, "Yo, you go to school Monday through Friday." This is kind of like you're going to school six days a week. I get it. If you don't want to go every now and then, you got to wake up, go to school on a Saturday. So I dropped out. And then, like, I would say it wasn't until I hit college, really, that I realized. I was like, yo, I should have just stuck with it, man. I should have just. Because what else was I doing on a Saturday? What was Upward Bound? So Upward Bound, um, it was essentially a program to get kids ready in high school for college. Um, whether that was spiritual or mental or um, it was it was kind of just like it was a place where you could develop freely but also like it was alternative teachings like stuff you wouldn't necessarily get in a classroom so it's like hey we're thinking about today we're talking about air earth water and fire you know what I mean and how they represent this or how they they you know how emotionally they're connected to you physically connected to you spiritually etc you know what i mean stuff like that um and as a young kid uh on a saturday i'm like yo this is the coolest shit ever Uh, and my cousin went with me andre shout out to dre from the woo um he went with me because my mom and uh his dad brother and sister are like dumb close so anything he was doing i was doing anything his older brother was doing my older brother was doing so we had that bond and it was cool we met friends and stuff and it was just a really cool program and even in the summer they had um they would bring kids into Worcester State you'd stay in the dorms um throughout the summer and you'd go through this whole program and at the end of it you had like the showcase where you get to do whatever you want sing rap uh, play a slideshow you know what I mean and it was just like really it was cool. exactly awesome. yeah and it made you feel free as a high school kid who's you know, most of the time we're locked in the house. You can't go out past a certain hour. It's like, oh, we get to sleep in a in a college. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. So we jumped at it, and uh, it's good to hear that it's still going to this day, man. Because I'm sure there's a lot of kids who could benefit from that. I mean, I did shit. I did, and I'm still here. You know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of good programs out there, and it's always it's always the best thing when you find out they're still being run by by the same minded people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man, and that's it's crazy to hear that he's still around. And I mean, even to see him, I saw him, and I was like, that's dope. Because he was walking towards Worcester State. I'm like, there he is. <laughs> so he's still at it, man. He's still at it. The mission hasn't changed. Um, but you were talking about films, and it made me think of uh, the documentary you put together. Um, Footprints, in the, Footprints in the Concrete. Yes. Um, so I'll tell you, I watched that. I bought it. Watched it. Um, I forget. I, was, I know I was young. I was still living at my parents' house. And I just didn't have nothing to do with the day. I didn't want to go anywhere. And I real I remembered I had that DVD. I'm like, oh shit, let me just go downstairs and watch a DVD. And I watched it, and I just remembered. Um, I remember the impact it had on me, to just like get to it. You know what I mean? Like um, no excuses type thing. And and it it kind of like reaffirmed the idea that um, not everything has to be so aggressive or um aggressive might not be the wrong might might not be the right word but uh not everything has to be i guess for self you know what i mean or for self gain or 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 stuff like that and um so when you came to worcester that was before like when you start in the documentary when you came to worcester that that's basically when the documentary starts 
it's started, like leaving Boston, right? Well, it, it the documentary starts me growing up. Yeah, I have been kidnapped. Yeah, and you know, a lot of things happened to me as a youngster that was just challenges. Yeah, and I left. You know, when the music started is when I left Boston when I came to Worcester. Yeah, and I got submerged into the hip hop culture here in Worcester. That's sort of when the music and everything started happening. Yeah. Um, there was a very, very, not was, there There always has been a very strong hip-hop culture mm -hmm. here. And when I came here in 93, it was booming. Yeah. And it was booming, but at the same time, it was kind of quiet. And um, so I, I was I was able to be a part of a lot of that, which was pretty cool. Yeah. It seemed back then it would have been loud, but afraid to get too loud. Yeah, it was, I mean, you had a, you, you had a few... Artists from the area, Elder this Elderhead Toucher. Shirt. I was about to say Elderhead Toucher. Elderhead Toucher. Um, you had DJ Shane. These are as far as putting music out. You know they had yeah, records. Couple, they had a couple of vinyl records, and um, they have been doing some things. There was another group I forgot their name, but I remember buying their cassette. And um, but it was yeah, it was it was it was a early it was it was very early and it was very humble. And it was very, yeah. there was a lot of people recording, but it wasn't a lot of people putting their music out. Yeah. Got it. And okay. so, um, besides Elderhead Toucher and Larry Lair, I think Larry Lair is another gentleman who did some stuff. Yeah. But besides those two, wasn't, no one else was really doing it as yeah. far as putting music. Putting it out. They yeah. were recording, they were doing shows. Doing they jams, were, they were, yeah. They were, um, they were, um, but they weren't producing. They were producing, but they weren't putting it out. Yeah. Oh, they weren't releasing. Okay. Yeah, they weren't okay. releasing it. Um, there were a lot of talent shows and things like that that were happening for money, but people weren't really putting the music, like recording it and putting it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I began to talk to my. Um, so anyway, that's yeah. That's before I get into the story. Let me follow the questions. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Well, yeah. Continue, continue, because I'm yeah, we're interested. So we. I w so I was at I was in the dorms at Worcester, yeah, at Worcester State, and began using. Uh, I had grabbed my grandmother's uh, answering machine, and it had two two cassettes. One cassette where you could record your message, yeah, and then the other one would record the messages that people leave. And so I would I started using that to like, you know, I would play the I would play a, play a beat and then I would record my rap on the, Over on the, that, on the yeah. thing and put that cassette in so when people call they would hear <laughs> me rapping and I would just like yo this is D I ain't home leave me a message at the tone or something and just I would just goof around with a message that people but then I started like developing like these you know there'd be like 16 bars and, just, <laughs> and I just rap and, and people were like yo that is hot <laughs> and so that's how it kind of started and then I met my boy Willie Bates, I met Will, and we met this other cat, DJ EQ, and he was cool with Shane. And then one day, I said, yo, I play drums at church, man, so let me come and mess around with the beat machine. And so I was there messing around with the beat machine that he had, and it wasn't too far. It was maybe about a mile down the road here going towards where the highway is. Um, that's that way, right? That's uh, highway is down there, 290? No, uh, 90. Oh, well, yeah. Coming, yep. off, coming from Boston, the last place. Yes. That's yeah. how we yeah. got into Worcester. So this is this long road here yep. is... Um, Grafton. Grafton, Grafton. Yeah. yeah. He lived right off Grafton, past the highway. DJ EQ lived there. 
And so we would go to his house, man, he's got, the walls would be stacked with all these records. He had the MPC. Wow. He had the, um, I forgot the other thing. But he had the beat maker and stuff, so I would be there messing around with the beats. And then I ended up, one day I had set one of the raps that I had put on the cassette. He was like, yo, that that's fire, man. You should come to this contest. Say that rap. Yeah. And so I was like, really? He's like, yo, that, that rap is hot. <laughs> so I told Will, I was like, yo, Will, come down to this. There's a contest going on. Come down to the contest. It was at the Eden uh, International, which was a reggae place on, on Water Street. So, so what right. is that now? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's on Eden Water International. Street. It's, it, it used, it's not Eden no more. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it was on the corner. I think across the street was like a restaurant. Broadway. So Broadway. 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 Yeah. So it's whiskey yes. on water. Whiskey on water. Two floors. <laughs> That's it hilarious. Was, it was one. It was floor. just one floor. Oh, okay. One floor at the time, but it was it was called Eden International. Yeah. So we this is ni- 1994. Yeah. So we go in there, and EQ. <laughs> it was literally four pops years a, old. Pops a beat. <laughs> EQ pops a beat on. I I say this rap that I had wrote. For them answer, for the machine. answer machine. Then my boy Will, he f- comes in and he says a rap. Yeah. So at the end of the contest, yo, we won first place. They gave us 250 bucks. Ooh. It was like, are you serious? Like, that's how we're doing it around here? And they, we didn't even have a name. Yeah. So they was just like, yo, EQ's boys, the dudes from Boston. <laughs> EQ's boys. That's what they call us, the dudes from Boston, EQ's boys. So they gave us a 250. It was like, yo, like, are you serious, man? So then... We said, yo, let's like record. Yeah. So we just started recording. We started recording with EQ. Then we met Gary Lucas yeah. Sr. So we met Gary Lucas Sr. at one of the spots. Went to his crib. Started messing with him. Then we met Kaz. Then we started messing with... So we started messing with these guys who had already been recording and already doing stuff. But they yeah. just heard about us, these sort of cats from Worcester State who are not really from around here but they're doing something and that's kind of how it all started yeah and that's how you built the name for your music was off of that word because that was 94 I was about to graduate Worcester State I told Will I said yo what's the point of us like we we have been recording we probably because with with Gary Lucas we recorded a couple tracks with Kaz, we had started recording tracks. Then we started yeah. meeting other producers. There was some people in Boston that we had knew. Yeah. So then we started recording there. So it was like, yo, we got like 30, 40 songs. <laughs> Why are we recording all this stuff? Why don't we actually do something with it? Yeah, put it out. And nobody was doing it at the time. So yeah. I remember pressing up a little cassette with one song that we recorded. And after oh, because at that point, distribution would have been the big thing. You need to, like, it's not just a matter of making the disc, you need people, you, you need to get that disc out to people. Well, at the time, or consent, I guess. It was no way that, the only way you could really get distribution is if you could show somebody that you are worthy to be distributed. Yeah. 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 And so the first step was to actually put something together. Yeah, and so you send them. Otherwise, they would have to like show yes. up at your thing to hear you. Yes. Yeah. And being from Boston, there was already an issue because people from this side of New York really didn't. You didn't get anything happening because a lot of what there was issues in Boston with RSO and and people having issues with them in the industry and New Edition. They had issues with people, so it, Boston got a bad name when it came to a lot of the music. So wait a second, you're, you're part of how Worcester has a name at all? Hmm? 
You're, you're part of the Worcester, the, the history of how Worcester has a name. You were one of the artists to kind of break through Worcester not bothering to get itself out there. Well, i tell you what, what happened. And so being from Boston, we still had, you still had groups like RSO that was doing things on a major leg, on major... So, um, I'm not familiar with them. What, what was RSO or what... Rocksteady crew, um, Rocksteady, yeah, RSO, Rocksteady organization. I don't really, I don't remember okay. what RSO stands for, <laughs> <laughs> but they're from my hood. They're from Mattapan. Okay. And they really blazed, um, they blazed a path. Uh, actually, Benzino was one of the RSO members, and he actually started up the um, with David Mays. They started up the Source magazine. Okay. And so. Um, but they have blazed a path for many artists in that area. Yeah. And so, um, and they went through a lot of their own trials and tribulations, but they were from our hood. They, they were from Mattapan. So, um, and they, some, the dude Rock actually lived on my street before he got killed. Wow. And so I would be coming home and these guys would be, uh, you know, all hanging out in their Bruins gear and stuff. Yeah. And you would always see them. Yeah. And so, um, but the fact that, since Benzino had started that Source magazine, that was another way that really helped them to propel yeah. on a bigger level. So besides them, but a lot of people had issues with them because they were they were street, like they were the real deal. And so a lot of industry people had issues with them, and that happened. That went for a long time. Yeah. Okay. So to um, break away from that. So it was besides them, and it's like, oh, you're from Boston, you just kind of get cast away. Like you know, we're from New York. I'm from Boston. Wait, wait a it second. Was, you mean how Boston people talk about Worcester now? Or have for the past, you know, two decades? <laughs> until yeah. until so, about two years ago. So it's New York and, and, yeah. and Boston. Boston. Got it. The same thing. It was so, happened with the selectors, with the oh, reggae wait, artists. So, like, we get to be about Portland now. Like, yeah. Providence. They're yeah. about Providence. It's yeah. how Worcester people are about Providence now. There yeah, we go. yeah. It's like, it's like a cycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, so for, I think for me, the thing that stood out was, um, here are these cats from the hood. They're doing it. We have to figure out how can we try to follow behind them, or behind the path that is already laid. So, um, actually getting, um, so here in Worcester, we actually put together, uh, me, Kaz, and Will, we put together uh, my the EP that I put out, My Ride. Yeah. And we put this EP out in 1999. And um, I remember seeing Benzino in Boston, in Mattapan, at one of my boys' place, and they had the big, um, the big truck outside, and yeah. I gave him, the, I gave him my disc. So that's the thing is being able to yeah hand have, it right to him. I had my disc already handed to him. Yeah, and my cousin knew some of them because yeah. of the affiliations in Boston and their offices in New York. She walked in there, did some things. October '99 issue of Source. There was a write-up in there for, yeah. for me. Yeah. Put Worcester on the map. I'm like, yo, Domingo hailing a hopping, skipping a jump from Boston, from Worcester, uh, from Wartown. He's got this song Beantown, Wartown. He's got this song My Ride, and and that sort of put yeah. me on some other. You yeah. Know, I, some of the music got picked up to be put in some TV shows. Yeah. Uh, 90210. Oh shit. Uh, cool. Uh, it was a couple. Uh, Lincoln Heights, a couple, okay. of, couple of TV shows and movies, and things just began to happen. And so I always give love and enough respect to Benzino, to RSO for um, for their groundbreaking and what they did mm -hmm. and how they tried. And you know, even with their movement now with the Wise Guys, they've always tried to bring in 
other young cats from the area. Yeah. So I give them credit for that. Cool. Yeah. And that propelled me to yep. start getting the music out there once I pressed up that disc. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so 99 was that first disc. Um, what came after that? Like, what after that and, and let's say the TV, uh, TV shows playing your stuff, what was like, all right, this, this is the next goal. Like, where was your mind at back then? To do, uh, to do the album. I yeah. was like, oh, we gotta do the album. Like, this is just a, this is just, just a taste. This is, I mean, we got like fifty songs. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and put the album out. So it was like just crunching time to get the album put together. Yeah. And but Will was like, oh, I gotta put my EP out. So then Will put an EP yeah. out. Cass started working on his. So it's like everybody started following. Like, yo, we gotta, yeah. we gotta get on the Gear ground. Up. Yeah. But I was like, yo, let's put this album out. But let's wait. So then. Kaz never did put the Supernova joint out. He put it out late, yeah. but around that time, it, it never came out. Um, but then Will did his, he did his follow-up to mine. We did a release together yeah. downtown here in Worcester. It was, it was, it was off the chain. Yeah. You know, now we started renting venues to yeah. do shows. People are coming out. People weren't doing that. Yeah. People weren't doing that. And so now we're renting venues having live having live shows yeah. that, of our own original music um, and then um, so the album my album was supposed to come out in, in uh, 2001 it came out that October but I heard a call from the Lord say don't put that music out the oh okay it was a, it was a don't put that music out and it was full of just cursing of degrading it was 74 we took the whole it was 74 minutes of music so the whole cd it was like probably 17 tracks yeah and from the beginning to the end it was just just full of cursing degrading women sex drinking smoking weed the whole the whole thing i was like nah, don't put that out and so i, I held a small party yeah and I had them already pressed. So I didn't put them out into the stores. I gave them to the people who came that night. Yes. Did a small run. And that was it. I was on tour playing drums for Tavares. They're a two-time Grammy Award winner. Wow. So I was on tour with them drumming. I let one of them hear the music while yeah. we, when we were on the plane going to one of the shows in Detroit or something I think we were going to. And Bush Tavares, he listens to the music. He's like, he's like man. This music is hot. Yeah. He said, "Why are you cursing so much, man? You don't, you don't have to curse. Mm. You don't have to curse, man. God is giving you a gift." And I just came off the plane, man. Yeah. I came off that plane and I never cursed in any of my lyrics again. That's amazing. And and but then I started like reading books. I started like trying to make music that would uplift the community, like not. Yeah push the community down. Yeah. So I started doing music about, I did a song, Stop Look and Listen, to all of what's going on around us. Yeah. I did another song called Wanna Be Gangsters, where everybody was talking about shooting and killing people, but they never lived the lifestyle. Yeah. And so I started doing music that would like, I stopped calling women B word and the H and all of that. I started talking about uplifting the women. Yeah. That was in 2003. <laughs> that, that project, um, Ghetto World Music. Yeah. So that, that was my first project that I did. Uh, Cyrus, he did two, Cyrus. two of the beats on there. Yeah. Will recorded it. 
Gary Lucas Sr. did the intro. Yeah. I had Trip Society. They, they did the, the last song with me. DJ Shame, The Scratch is still, still bringing everybody from before yeah. to be a part of what's, what's, what's a new, new movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did that in 2003. Yeah. But then I had a life-changing event yeah. that happened. And that's when, you know, God began to knock on my heart. Yeah. And I ended up becoming a, a follower of, of Christ. Yeah. And then it went from like positive to then proclaiming the gospel yeah. on, on tracks. So yep. that was 2004. Yep. And then I bet E yep. the Youth Center 2006. Yep. Yep. You know, Orlando came to me, yo man, I want to do a project about, you know, just, you know, hope. Um, you know, I said, what do you want to call it? He said, I want to call it you know, Hope Records. I'm like, all right, and what, you know, Street Pride Records. All right, cool, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's go ahead and run and just, let's record and get it done. So we did that, dropped that in 2007. So that's kind of how. Yeah, kept the ball rolling. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so tell us about Hope Records. I know a lot of people from that era in the hip hop scene, they hear Hope Records, they know they know the vibe. But for people that weren't around or that, you know, new to the city, new to you, what was Hope Records? So Hope was really, it was youth. So yeah. I felt like I was given a brand new opportunity to sort of relive some of the because when I didn't go all into it when we when we were doing the music yeah you know we're we're yeah. we're blowing down trees <laughs> we're getting tore up women yeah, we yeah. got we're going to Providence we're going here we're going there <laughs> we're 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 tearing up yeah and we're acting a fool <laughs> and so when when hope came along it was an opportunity to relive some of those same mm. years that I had and these guys were the, how old I was yeah so I think at that time I was probably like 31 yeah E and them were like 19 20 yep young and they were like yo I want to do this and I'm like alright let's, let's go like I've already I've already been doing this yeah. for like 10 years through the gauntlet yeah so let's do it y'all want to do let's just do it it's not that hard let's just do it and that's so we, we just recorded yeah. And we put everything together, the copyrights, yep. did a little yep. music video. I remember. And man. that that was sort of the the, the the plan, was to use what I already had learned yeah. and just helping them to show them how to do it. Yeah. And we did the youth center. Yeah. It was like trying to get fellas off the block. Yes. Folks were, people were getting killed, things were happening. And the was like, yo, we helped write this grant where we would get money so we can record and put the music out. Yeah, the and Get Off the Block mixtape. Get Off the Block. That's how that started. Yeah. So it's just... So this was at the youth center on um, Chandler? On Chandler? Oh, yes. That was Fantastic. 2006. Six, because that, that was when I was a freshman in high school. That was the first time I walked in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so you helped create the, the studio at the youth center? Well, the studio was already there. Okay. Yeah. But I, into it. I, was, I was the assistant director at the youth center. Okay. So I began to say, hey, let's write some, let's, so yeah, people coming in, they're just recording and leaving. Yeah. Let's do something with these recordings. Yeah. Let's put them on CD or something, you know, yeah. at the time it's CD. Let's put them on CD and that's what we did. We like, we, we held a, a, a four week contest and the, the crowd would vote on who would be the best. Yeah. That's, that's what's awesome. And so we did that the first time then we had the CD pressed up. Then a year later, we wrote a grant again, got money, and we did the DVD with the with the video. Yeah, and so that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, man, that was legendary stuff. And um, like, so I've been in that youth center studio a million times. I haven't been recently because you know the age cutoff is twenty something or whatever, you know, or it could be younger. I don't know. 
Uh, but that poster, that Get Off the Block mixtape, Volume 1 poster, is forever cemented in my mind. Because anytime you walk into the youth center, it's right there. And then you get out of the booth and you're sitting watching dude mix, and the poster's right there staring it's at you. Is it still there? I don't know if it's still oh, there because okay, I haven't I'm been there in so long. <laughs> but that's a legendary poster, is what I'm saying. And um, I'm sure you can remember, but I remember there was T Love, Izzo, um, Epinero, of course, with the braids, <laughs> yep. and, um, and Joyner. Those are the four pictures on the Get Off the Block mixtape. Do you know, was that, were those the four songs? Was it just four songs? Okay, 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 okay. It was four songs. Yeah. And each week we had a contest. So, Future Joyner, who's now Joyner Lucas, he won the first week. Yeah. So he got the first song on on the CD. So each one was one of the weeks. Each one was Uh, one of the weeks. And then when we did the DVD, he won the first week, so he got the first music video. Yeah. I mean, it was what it was. And then... We had other. We had Bishop, Prob Bishop. Child, Prob Child. Oh my God! He's, he was a fourth week. These yeah. guys have such good Tumblr usernames. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. They're great names. Prob Child. What's he been up to, man? Let's, let's get off that side. <laughs> I just remember he was amazing in the booth, man. Like he could rap. So uh, on, on different subjects, there's two things I wanted to, to ask more about. Th- th- three, but one of them was the. Um, the uh, youth center because just because I've heard Danny mention that a bunch and we've talked about it with other episodes uh, uh, with other people. Um, so uh, two things I actually wanted to ask more about. Both of them are probably sensitive, tricky subjects. One, you mentioned being kidnapped. That's and obviously it's got to have been an extremely traumatic thing, but it's also something that probably uh, drastically affected who you are today. And if you're open to talking about that, yeah, I'm open to talk. And believe me, there's anything you can have anything. It's all good. For me, I was kidnapped when I was like two or three, and I, you know, my mom was in the store downtown Boston, looking at some belts or something. I broke away. I used to run through the clothes, as we all did. Yep. I, yep. And so some woman saw me, and just grabbed me, and took me home. And so I was with her for a couple of days, and that's no way. Much. I was, yeah. So I don't remember really what happened. Uh, I hear about it because my aunt. Yeah. <laughs> my family, my they let you hear it. Yeah, and then there was other, you know, I remember I remember this one gentleman who was from my church. He was living in Albany, Georgia. I went down there to see, when I had, um, I went down there to meet him in person. Well, when I had called him, I said, hey, man, how you doing? My name is Domingo. He said, Noella, son? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm Domingo. Boy, I was looking all over Boston for you <laughs> some 40 years ago or something, you know, it's like... Yeah. They remembered that though. That was that was That's the, day the for first that. thing he said. He said, "Man, I was looking all over Boston for you." And so I went down there, man. Took a picture with him. He, he has died since, but uh, it was good to go down there and see him, man. You know, like that. That. So I don't. I'm just hearing yeah. stories like that from people. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. How did they find you? She brought me to the police station. The oh. woman doing The woman who. Yeah. Thank. Thankful. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She probably realized she's like, I am nuts. What or am I? I made her crazy, and I had to. <laughs> she had to give me back. She was like, I don't want nah, this. This ain't mine. This ain't mine. I'm gonna get another one. I, mean, I was gone for two days, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, crazy. Okay. Then the other one, uh, years, years, years later. You know, normally these things are not normally, but often these things are related, but they're not. Um, uh, finding God, religion, uh, changing your, adjusting your values accordingly. I assume that there was a, a an event that prompted you to reconsider further, uh, but you were already listening. What's tell us about that? 
a ser- it was a series of events. And I don't really subscribe to religion. I believe religion has done so much evil. Oh my God, religion is slightly like, yeah, like, agreed. Like I, you know, yeah. faith one thing, but but religion, organized religion, has caused yeah. I don't know so much yeah. devastation. So as far as um, for me, it was a series of events. You know, it was first um, my attempted murder charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're after that, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Tipped murder charge, that, you know, being dismissed, and then, you know, me being stabbed several times and pistol whipping and eight stitches in my head. So it was like all these events that began to say, okay, let's close that door. Let's close, oh, yeah, street yeah. life, that's corny. Let's close that door. Yeah, I'm not going to be carrying illegal guns. That's, that, let's close that door. Yeah. So then it, it just became this um, me on my own quest, and as I was on my own quest, God beginning to say, hey, stop getting on all these different quests. Follow me. I have a plan for you. I have a, I have a, a layout for your life that I want you to go. And so once I gave that, gave into that call, which I was about 26, that's when everything started to change. Yeah. And so it was a series of events. You know, um, there was a night at the club right here in Worcester. I was in the club one night. Long, I won't go through the whole story. We don't got time. But <laughs> at the end of that night, it was 4 a.m. I was drunk. I had no shirt on. I had this jewelry on. It's it's 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like October. Whoa. You already know. This, this, this don't look right. No. I'm driving down Main Street. I just bought a condo at the top of Belmont. This. I got I got my Maxima. I'm driving down, <laughs> down uh, Main Street. 4 a.m., drunk, dr- just dropped some girls off. That yeah, It was just a crazy situation. And the blue lights come on. No. You're fucked. The blue... <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm like, okay, it's 4 a.m., I got the jewelry on, no shirt. <laughs> no it's shirt. freezing out. This does not look good. No. Yeah. The, the police officer came up to the window. License and registration. <sighs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna go right here and get the registration officer, and give him the um, give him my license registration. He looks at my ID. He looks at me. You're good. He walks away. Wow. I said, God is real. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. He saved you. I don't have. To, I don't have to. There's nothing else that needs to be that needs to happen. I'm not going out anymore. That was the last time I went out to the club. Wow. You, you saw how badly everything could have been, frankly. I don't know about should have, but, like, we're, you saw it was about to, and it was, and, and also, if it did, it would have been on you, and you knew that. I had my master's. I was on tour with Tavares. Wow. I just had my new condo. I just had the new Maxima. I, and everyone almost blew it off. For my, my, new, my new job, at, I was at the Y at the time. I was working for yeah. the YMCA. Everything was, everything was going right. Yeah. And at that moment, I said, man, everything could be thrown away just like that. And it was three events that happened that night. Yeah. That was the third. So there were two other things that happened. I will, you know, I'll tell you all off, off my <laughs> There were two other things that happened that night. Because I said I dropped these two girls off at 4 a.m. Yeah. But there were two things that happened before that. <laughs> that was that like. could have shut everything down, too. Yeah. So when I dropped those girls off and. You know, one girl's boyfriend came out, punched me. I was like, oh, you got to get out the car. Your, girl just, your girlfriend just got punched. Like, I got to go. I don't know what is going on, but I got to get out of here. Yeah. And I'm going down Main Street. Them blue lights come on. That was a third of it. Third happened. strike. I said, you know what? Never again. I'm done. Yep. Yeah. What you want I me had to do? fun. What you yeah. want me to do, God? I'm done. 
<laughs> that was it. Wow. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> yeah. That's enough. It That's was a ride. I'm, tw- I, I'm 20. I think I was 28 at the time. I think I was 28. I was like, I'm done. No, I mean, and you were well experienced at that point. You know what I mean? It sounds like you'd been through it all. You'd seen it all. So it's like, there's not much we'll to lose. You know we'll what I mean? Back. Yeah. And when I was younger, I would always say, oh, I'll get my life to the low when I'm like 60. I ain't got nothing else to do. Yeah. I'm old and decrepit and not have all my... Nah. No. 28, it was done. Yeah. And I'm so glad, man. I'm so glad. My life has been... It has been a many challenges, but it has been an up, a uphill battle. Yeah. 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 Thanks for the question. Great question. Well, I mean, it's one that... I don't know. It's people either have their own story similar to it or it's something they entirely can't relate to. And... Uh, I think breaking it down to, I don't know, I I have a lot of experiences, not, you know, identical, but I've had, there there have been a lot of different times I've been like, uh, I don't know, and honestly, it's terrifying how how many of them involve law enforcement, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's, you know, often when you've figured out you've gone too far and everything's about to be drastically different. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And those few times when it doesn't, it is... Life-changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so I, uh, I stopped uh, motor- driving a motorcycle because I mean I, I fucked up. It was entirely. It, this is not the same exact thing, but mm-hmm. I, I you know I realized like I did so. It was it's not the same thing, but it, I, I had a realization where it was like I did so little wrong, but all you know all I had to do wrong was that, and I could die. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like this is the end. If I did this slight, you know, in this case it was braking too aggressively. I, uh, I saw an emergency vehicle, tried to slow down, uh, went over the handlebars. Oof. Yeah, it was entirely my fault. But, but like, I was, this was, this was Easter Sunday, so, like, traffic was clear. It was, this was over off of Plantation Street, so I was, like, half a mile from UMass. I wasn't insured at the time, so I didn't actually go to the hospital. I had a friend come and help uh, pick all the concrete and whatnot out of my skin, and, uh, turns out, uh, oxy- hydrogen peroxide comes in a spray applicator, which sat, w- which was miserable. Like we yeah. should have recorded my screams and like sold it to my ex-girlfriends, but it was, <laughs> but it's better than the alternative of like the drip method, because like yeah. my entire forearm and both knees were like open, uh, and uh, had Ugh. twisted ankle. I mean, it wasn't like open, open. No, it was but like just, scra- yeah. you get a, yeah. a road burn. Uh, road but rash. like I had on jeans, I had on shoes, I had on a, a uh, motorcycle jacket that I didn't properly velcro one of the sleeves. And I had on a helmet, but I, I you know, I could have been dead because yeah. I was, I didn't fucking brake properly in that two second period. And yeah. I decided, okay, no more fucking motorcycles for me ever. Like, I don't need this. I do not have the attention span for this. But also, you know, like I, th- there's, it's, you know, th- it's, it's a lot lesser version of that kind of moment. But, but it's, you know, once you recognize this could have gone differently, like it's, I don't know, you have to adjust. Yeah. And sometimes you really have to recognize that that adjustment's fucking inside. Like, that's you. <laughs> yep. and, and many times people ignore. Yeah. Yep. Ignore that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're like, oh, I survived once, now I can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bro, I drive drunk, I drive home drunk nine days out of the week, you know what I mean? I'll just, they'll do it again, you know? There's a comic I love, XKCD, and uh, one of theirs is a uh, someone, um, Saying no, don't go into that lightning storm, and someone else saying it's okay. Only one person in seven thousand, like only one person, one of uh, seven thousand people get struck by lightning in their lifetime. And uh, the the caption for the headline is, but the statistic for people who know that number is one in six. (laughs) 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 It makes me think of people like me with you know who keep track of these things, and you know sometimes if you don't listen to those, yeah, it could yeah it could turn out ugly. Yeah, it could turn out ugly. So. You have that night in the club. Um, 
I guess outside of the music, because I mean, we talked mostly about the music. Um, I mean, I want to hear about the murder charge, but we, if you oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, well, is this related? Let me see. Let me see. Where was I going with this? Um, I mostly was just going to get an idea for um, your. I don't know. I don't want to call it like a spiritual awakening or like your your realization of of God. Um, but after that, like, uh, what was the like? Wow. Okay, well, let's go see what that what was. What the hell? hell? Yeah, we won't stop recording because it's going to be interesting or nothing. Oh, shoot. Is that a bike? What the fuck happened? I have no idea, but I know that's on, the, that's on the podcast. I have no idea what that was. It might have been like somebody dropping one of them M80s or something. Apologies, guys, for whoever heard that and uh, had AirPods in or something. Whoa. Your ears might be bleeding right now. The noise of Worcester that apparently involves that firecracker. That sounded like a car explosion, though. Like a that blue car that drove past looked really like confused, but also I don't know. He just sped up as soon as he realized no one was like asking too many questions. <laughs> so I think it was his car, but I don't know if he knew what the hell was going on. I hope he's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, no, that's way too loud for a Did anyone see anything other than like a cloud of smoke? No. Nope. Okay. I just heard the bow. Okay. That was, that was nuts. Uh, <laughs> well, we were talking about finding God. <laughs> <laughs> if there's ever a clearer, <laughs> if there's ever a clearer sign, yes. you know what the heck was that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So. Forget whatever I was just talking about. Um, Homicide it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I have no clue where we are right now. Uh, okay, I wanna hear about the um you said you there was a uh, a homicide charge that uh what happened with that? Like what's what was the end result there? Yeah. So basically, um, I had got involved with some mess in my neighborhood as a as a, as a fourteen year old. I had been jumped a couple times neighborhood gangs and I had got pistol whipped at one point eight stitches in my head a gash mm. on the side of my head and another time they stabbed me up four times on this side of my right side of my body so um, you know at this happening I was no gangster I wasn't no you know this thug killer or nothing like that but those things happen to you you start to be like yo I gotta carry something yeah you gotta defend and yourself you gotta defend so I started carrying so it was alleged that I had fired off this pistol to these guys and the bullet went through a window of an eight-year-old girl watching TV. And so we went to court, uh, Dorchester Court, May 8th, 1991. Never forget, I was 15 years old. And uh, we went to court. And, uh, you know, the judge basically says, well, we've heard all the evidence. The evidence proves that Domingo Guyton is guilty. And my mentor... Dr. Ulrich Johnson, he said, can I get a word real quick? He said, sure, come on. He said, I've been working with Domingo, and I just want to ensure and let you know that um, 
He's a fine young man. I'm working with him. I can guarantee you won't see him ever in here again. Um, and then the judge let me go. Wow. And so that was like, yeah, I, I never want to carry a firearm in my life. <laughs> never going to carry a firearm again in my life. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. yeah, that happened. Um, and, and, but at the same time, you know, I knew that I had to get out of Boston because I had broke a few street codes and stuff was not looking good uh, for me in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I had to get out of there. Worcester, I came to Worcester and hit out in, yep. in Dowden Hall. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. I guess the cops are here now. <laughs> They're going to check out what the hell happened. Yeah, probably. If anyone was wondering what Worcester Police Department's response time is, it's approximately three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, so yeah, that that's pretty much what happened there, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, it makes sense that that's having someone to speak for you, uh, like not speak for you, but but attest to you, uh, speak it, on your behalf. Yeah. yeah. And can you tell us about him or who yeah. he was as a figure? You know, and uh, he, how much he, weight he, his word carried. It was. I mean, when I started getting into issues, they had, you know, because I was involved with. Um, Violence Prevention Project, which was at Boston City Hospital. At the time, they were seeing, because, you know, Boston, 1990, they were having 180, 200, 160 murders a year. It was like, it was very bad. And this was the same time when RSO yeah. and, and all of that, that, t that same time, like, these guys were really, they were really living the life. Yeah. You know? So, at that time, as a 15-year-old in 91, my family's like, man, this, you're crazy. You need help. Like, yeah. And so they, with the Violence Prevention Project, it was started by nurses who were in mm. Boston City Hospital who just got tired of seeing all these young yeah. black it takes males. Because it takes a toll on you as a, as a nurse. Yeah. They yeah. were seeing so many men, young men coming in, stab wounds, gunshots. And gunshot wounds and par some of them paralyzed and it was like it was it was too much so they started like a little program yeah. and through the program they were like hey um, we know what you, we need for you Domingo we need to have you talk to um, <clears throat> you need a black male role model and so they hooked me up with this guy named Dave Squires Dave Squires as soon as I first meet he said I know who you need to meet and he hooked me up with Dr. Johnson Dr. Johnson, man, he just took me under his wing. Yeah. Similar to like Sid, older man, yeah. talking about stuff that I just didn't, never thought about. Yeah. He opened my mind up, so then I just started hanging with him more. Yeah. Got into this situation, and then he came to court with me and said, yo, I'm, he's Domingo's rolling with me now, and he already had weight mm, in, the community. in the community. Yeah. So uh, his house was like literally probably like eight streets down from the courthouse. So, yeah, you know, so he was he, well known. He came to the court like he Domingo, and it's like, all right, they let me go. Yeah, and I just stuck. I stuck. And I, when I oh, the other thing was, I had told my boys, I said, yo, because it was I was going to court. Yeah, and it was four other guys from this from the street over. Yeah. that we were having issues with. So they were coming to court too. So I was afraid <laughs> that they were gonna jump me when, yeah. when court was over. Yeah, at court. So I told my boys, I said, yo, y'all gotta come to court with me. No, no, I gotta work, man. I told my other boys, I said, yo, you gotta come, man. Like they, these guys are gonna try and, you know, I got jury, they're gonna try and rob me after the court case and they're gonna try and jump me. So no, nah, I'm not coming up to that courthouse. <laughs> so that's when I realized, I was like, 
Six months later, I got kicked out of my high school because I had mm. one more fight, and that's when they kicked me out of Framingham. Yes. And they forced me to go to Boston Public School, so then I went to Charlestown. And so, I mean, it, I mean, it was just a crazy, crazy life, and then I almost got kicked out of Charlestown. So it was just. It was, you were just, just there for twelfth grade. I was there for uh, half of my eleventh grade, yeah. and then I was there all twelfth grade. But we were having issues with. There were always issues with different gangs and different yeah. people. And I just had to get up out of it. I had to get out of all of that. And that's that's why I came here. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Worcester is, I don't know, it's a great place to restart. I, uh, yeah. I didn't move here because of that. I essentially just dropped off here when I turned 18. And, it, you know, it worked out. But uh, it, it, it's it's a land of opportunity. Yeah, because it's small enough that everyone can, you know, network and work with each other yeah. without it being too big and too much. Yeah. Yes. And that's how I, that's how I saw it. It's like, yo, this... Worcester, man, it's just a great opportunity. You know, Boston, Boston taught me how to survive, mm. and then Worcester, Worcester taught you how to live. <laughs> Worcester, and I, what, I, what I often say is that Boston taught me how to survive, but Worcester taught me how to take a chance. Mm. And well, so that. it's like I came here and I was like, it was like a fresh start. And it was like, yo, nobody don't know me, nobody don't know my story. I ain't, I ain't dodging gangs and all this other crazy nonsense. Yeah, I could just come out here and just like. Just try and yeah, try reinvent to reinvent yourself. Yeah, reinvent myself. This is exactly what 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 happened, man. And, and through the hip hop, it it, it it happened that through the hip hop. Yeah, yeah. And it's glorious to see that you know on your journey throughout that that you you recognize that and then you, <coughs> you empowered others to give that same energy back through Hope Records. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh, that was. That was always the vibe that I got from it, you know, from hanging around you, hanging around uh, Ipe Nieto, because we, we hung around Egbert a lot. He brought us to his house and stuff. And so um, something that always just emanated from, like, his aura was just, like, one, you don't have to swear, because I never heard him swearing. He was one of the dopest rhymers in the youth center. And two was, like, just have fun with it, you know? Like, he was always big on... Like, do you, are you having fun? Like, if you're not having fun, why are we recording? You know, like, have fun, make some music that we can all enjoy and laugh about and this or that. Like, and those, those years were priceless because it really got me out of my shell. Because uh, I, was, I was pretty shy, but hearing my cousins rap about video games and then having somebody like Egbert in the studio while you're recording to empower you and be like, yo, I understand that reference. That's really dope. You know, it makes you feel as a young kid, like, Oh man, I might be pretty cool. I might be onto something, you know. And then you know, forming the group, and I know you put us on a few shows, um, like we performed at Vogue and stuff. But like having that community, uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be here, uh, you know, in this position today if it wasn't for that, you know. Uh, never mind the music or fatherhood and stuff like that, but just um, just who I am and how I was able to develop was because the youth center was such an inviting atmosphere. And even when there was like like people in the studio who didn't want you to come into the session it was like respect because it's like i get it bro like you want your zen time and you don't want to be judged or you don't want nobody to hear it or maybe you're saying something that's a little spicy you know and you don't want you know i know to, to tell the counselors and yep. stuff but like 
yeah man the youth center was was amazing for that and and you know shout out to you too for just just being there you know thank you man. i'm sure there's a lot of people more than myself that could just say that you were there you know what yeah. i mean and um well, I think that's actually a great thing to address is uh, you, you recognize the value of, of the mentors in your life and then the, the real question on my end is was it deliberate? Like did you ever decide to provide the opportunities for other people that you were giving yourself by being this person for them, creating these organizations for them or was that just naturally what happened? Oh, it was that, it was it was a deliberate effort. Yeah. It was it was deliberate to give back. It was deliberate to not judge people where they're at not judge people mm. what they're doing but to meet them where they're at yes and to now i i still had a job that mm -hmm. i had to upheld so you know we had no cursing rules mm -hmm. that i was trying to enforce and it was not my center so i could not dictate even though i came from nine years of cursing and degrading <laughs> women and doing all of that now i could be seen as like hypocritical because now i'm enforcing some rules but it wasn't my center yeah, right. It was the Domingo Guyton Center. Yeah, I could say you can come in now. You can curse and do what you do because I understand that's where I was. Yes, but yes. if I'm being employed by somebody, we have rules. Yes. But then I was looked at sometimes as being hypocritical because yeah. some people knew where I come from. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. enforcing rules, telling people they couldn't swear. So. Yes, 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 yeah. But everyone always hates the person who has to enforce the rules. It's I don't know. The rules don't usually actually end up making sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Youth Center, the music. Um, so, where are you at these days? What are you up to these days? Yeah, exactly. That's that's like, yeah, exactly. So, at what point, um, and was there any clear-cut motive? Was there any event? Was it a job opportunity? What brought you to be like, all right, I'm leaving Worcester? And how long did you spend? Because that was, what, 20 years you spent here? I spent about 20 years there, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 20 years, uh, 19 in Boston, 20 in Worcester. Yeah. And then the last bit of my life has been in Georgia. Georgia. Why right. Georgia? Yeah, what brought you to Georgia? Hollywood of the South. Okay. It, honestly. No, honestly. And Atlanta is the hot, like, hot, Atlanta's like L.A. Yeah. Atlanta's really like L.A. Hollywood of the South is where all the movies are being shot. Yeah. Okay. Music, the music industry. So mm -hmm. that was what brought us there. Make sense? Go the, the, the YTF film, right? Right? right. Yep. I remember that correctly. Yep, yep. That was it. That was, we did the film actually 10 years ago. To wow. This next month, October. <laughs> cool. So, so tell me about that. What was that? Yeah. So it was, it was actually from Egbert. So, hey. So we had, um, we actually, I was working at, at Worcester State at the time, and the, um, we had a traveling slavery museum that had came through. So at this time when, you know, I'm doing positive music and uplifting the community and right on that line of positive slash, you know, either doing work that would be considered Christian. And we had this slavery museum that had came up to Worcester. And they had all the artifacts, all the chains that they had made the slaves wear and all this stuff. And I'm looking at this stuff going, there's a lot of correlations here to hip-hop culture. And there's a lot of connections between slavery and hip-hop. And so I asked him, I said, hey, I've been wanting to do a music video about this. Would you all be up to me, you know, coming to film some of this so we can put it in a music video? They said, hey, we've been trying to uh, shoot a movie. <laughs> can you make a movie? And so I was like, 
yeah, you can make a movie. I've never made a movie in my life. Yep. <laughs> but I'm like, what is a movie except, you know, six music videos strung together? I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we can do, yeah, we can do a movie. So we ended up going to Philly, shooting this documentary, Lest We Forget Traveling Slavery Museum, and went to, we put it in one festival, the Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival in mm-hmm. 2007. And when we put it in the festival, we all went down there, me, um, Egbert, um, Orlando. We met the people from there. We went over there, hung out, Martha's Vineyard. We're just, you know, living it up, man, just just having a good time. We get out of there, get on the ferry, come back, you know, Oaks Bluff, start driving back to Worcester. We get the phone call. Hey, y'all left? Yeah, yeah, we're out of there. We just won Best Documentary. yeah, we just won the best documentary. Where you guys at? You supposed to be here to celebrate. I'm like, <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, we're almost in Worcester. Like, we got out of there. I didn't think nothing. We were just like, we, we just there goofing around, kind of like that. So Egbert was like, we documentary winners. It was like, wow, we woke up today and now we're just documentary winners. Like, yeah, we're amazing. Oh wow, okay. So Egbert's like. Man, we should make a film about a modern-day Jesus walking around the hood with jeans and sneakers on. He laughs. And I was like, Man, that's genius. That is, that's genius. Yeah. So I started taking classes in Cambridge to write a script. I took a eight-week class for $60. <laughs> like, how do you write a script? Okay, great. Let's write a script. We wrote the script. Start shooting. We start shooting the movie. Wow. And awesome. we just running and gunning. We just running and gunning here. We're running and gunning in Roxbury and Dorchester. We're just running around shooting footage for this film, and put the film together. And the film ends up winning like awards in Cali, awards in Atlanta. And That's we, awesome. We, we put it out in 2012. Put it in the film festival circuit. 2013 won all kind of awards, and felt the Lord like move to Atlanta. I got some stuff to show you. People thought me and my wife was crazy. We yeah. just bought a house behind Worcester State. Yeah. And I still had the condo up the top of Belmont. Actually, we had two of them. We had two condos at the top of Belmont. Yeah. We had one house behind Worcester State. And we left all of this wow. and went to Georgia. Sold to, it? To go, no. Oh, and you kept it? We yet. kept it. Good. Well, no, I sold one of the ones up at the top of Belmont. Yeah. Kept, kept the other one because I had an elderly woman there. Yeah. And we kept the one behind Worcester State. Cyrus held that one down. Nice. We go down to Atlanta to go rent somebody else's house. And we got no job. People were like, so I was working at Worcester State. I was working at Springfield College. My wife was working at UMass Memorial. We quit all the jobs to go to Atlanta where there was no job. Nothing. And we're renting somebody else's house. And we just had a house that we just bought. What you that makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, but, but also, it, it, I don't know, all of what it might become. Yeah. Well, I think there's like something... It's a huge risk, but it can make a lot of sense. Well, it, I think the... And it's not sense upon... My, I don't give myself credit like, oh, this is a great idea that the bingo Oh, has. no, it just could I go give, well. I give credit to God because God is oh. like, meet me in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I have some things to show you. Yeah. And for my head, I'm going, okay, let me, let me get a job. So I'm like, I'm applying for jobs, trying to get something locked down. And the Lord is like, I, I didn't say get a job. I said, meet me in Atlanta. And risk it all. Faith. You step out on faith. Yeah. And so it's like, man, we got these babies. My babies are, you know, five yeah. and three. We got no health insurance. My wife's going to quit her job. Like, 
meet me in Atlanta. Yeah. And if you don't get there quicker, we'll have issues with you staying where you are now. And so it's for me, it's clear that we got to get out of here. And the interesting thing is, my wife comes home from work saying, "I'm feeling the urge that I need to quit my job." Wow. Let's go. Yeah. So we both go, <laughs> and I deal with nonsense here with my elderly tenant. I mean, it was on front pages of newspapers. Thirty-two cats. Um, oh my god. House. I'm getting letters from the city, getting mailed to Atlanta saying that urine and feces in the hallways of my condo here. I mean, we no. had a beautified, yeah, you can uh, oversee the whole city. I mean, and, and this woman just destroyed my no. contacts. They will, like too many of them goes really 32. badly. 32, and it was, a, it was a small condo. It's like 700, 770 square feet. Two bedroom, one oh my bath. God, that's it's a, a colony of cats. Yeah. She had 28 live cats, four dead. Oh no. my God. Four dead, somewhere under the sink. The tub was half, half the tub was half feces and, and half cat food. No. Oh, my God. I mean, I and I videotaped the whole You thing. had to. Yeah. Like when, they, when the cops burst the door down, we had to break the door down and go in and, and, yeah. and, 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 and help. She had mental issues. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was heartbreaking. But I, I, but anyway, the point is, yeah, that's what I was dealing with while I was down in Georgia. I'd be coming up here, going to the courthouse. Yeah. I would drive, oh show up, and they're God. like... Oh, it's been discontinued for another two weeks. It's like, bro, I just drove half a day. Yeah. 18 hours. 18, well, yeah, more than half a so, day. So, yeah. anyway, it's a long, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. But we, we stepped out on faith to go down and follow what God was doing. And since we've been down there, man. It's, it's been just, blessings, right? <laughs> yeah. So what, was the, what was your first, like, calling there? Like, what was your first thing, like, activity? You know what I mean? What was, like... Yeah. What did, when you hit the ground running, what did you do? Yeah, exactly. The first thing, it, the, the film just came out mm. on PBS last, wow. last Monday. And it was the first gig I got when I got there. A gentleman by the name of Byron Hurt, he was doing a film about hazing. Yeah. And I, I was a PA. He had hired me, and I got paid like, I don't know, it was like $150, $200 a day. And it was like for like nine days. Yeah, he had hired me to run around, go to do the this, airport, that. pick up people, pick up the producer, take him around to the areas. They got scout out where they gonna shoot. I had to house all the, the the equipment. Yeah, and I just that was like the first job I got. And Perfect. So, Being and, involved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was. It was. Um, that was the first gig, and that film just came out last week. That's amazing. Yeah, and what I was able to do. Timing. And I was able to do three songs on there also. Wow. What's the name of the film? Hazing. Hazing. Okay. Okay. So it's I, on it wasn't PBS. about. Was it? But when you say it was about hazing, you do you mean uh, like workplace uh, bullying culture kind of hazing? It was um, sororities. Okay. Okay. Fraternities and and. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also called hazing. Yeah. Right? It's on PBS. It's the same. Yeah. Perfect. It's, cool. it's called we'll hazing it on PBS, and it's all about like you know the. Yeah, the sororities, the fraternities. Yeah, the culture of... The culture of, of being wanting to be... People wanting to be Honestly, accepted. the place I see it referred to most in, like, uh, TV shows is fire departments. 
Like, like that's oh. a cult, that's a trope I've seen in like SVU, uh, Criminal Minds, and a few others. Yeah. Like that that that's when they talk about hazing. You calling it like, but it's so many other places. It just seems to be. Yeah. Culture like in pop culture, it's fire mm. departments, not police departments. That's right. Not, you know, I am applying to be a firefighter, so that's pretty <laughs> rough. Oh yeah, can't wait to hear about that. Hazing. I don't want to get hazed, but <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I'd heard of it just through. Um, I mean, I've been involved in sports since I was a young kid. I always loved exercise and athletics, and um, I never really experienced hazing. Uh, you know, in Sullivan, I went to Sullivan seventh grade. I got along with a lot of kids. You know what I mean. I went to a bunch of different schools before that, so I was pretty good there. But when I got to high school and I started doing crew, actually down here on Lake Quinsig, it was Worcester Public Schools crew, and so like I was cool with everybody in Doherty and 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 South and stuff. But then there was people from Vogue and this and that, and then there's older kids. There's a varsity team, and so that was my first real experience with hazing, and I didn't really know how to deal with it because I was semi-popular I was still pretty shy but I was popular nerdy um, so I got along with a lot of kids and so when that you know when when push came to shove and now I'm bumping heads with certain guys and I'm like I don't know how to respond to this because I'm not used to this you mm. know if there was ever somebody like giving me a hard time usually somebody will step in but now it's like all my friends are all younger and y'all are all older so it's like whoever y'all pick on for the day is like we're kind of asked out because but also you can't you, you can't like respond too hard because you don't know which friends of theirs are about to step up as well yeah and we're we're junior league they're varsity league so the coaches are going to cater to them a little more they're going to uh, you know brush it under the rug like you know what i mean so it's like which i mean that's all the no, nothing really came of that you know what i mean i'm still i'm still cool still 100 fine and um and it wasn't like anything crazy no swirlies or like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like slashing your tires it wasn't that sort of hazing but just like you know bickering little petty stuff you know and it's it's it is very common i will say in athletics and in um i could see that you know in in certain social oh, right. circles Locker room. Yeah. yeah or even in in video in in um internet gaming and all this stuff these days where it's like you know if you're the new guy on the team chances are you're going to be you know you're, you're going to the blame is going to be put onto you or mm. or you're going to be pressured a little more like but that's the thing about hazing is it's sort of to some level it's like a socially acceptable level of bully of bully yeah yeah like it's part of the culture or yeah something. Oh, don't worry about it you're just a new guy you know what i mean yeah but, but certain yeah. people don't always respond to that with a level head or can see that it's like hey he's not really trying to be you know an asshole but um he thinks he's being funny you mm. know so taking it with yeah, that's the, what it kind of comes down to. It's like it, you know, it, it, hazing's like only people saying it's okay because they want to be able to fucking do it. Not, not, <laughs> yeah. not, not, not the people getting hazed where yeah. it's like, no, it's cool, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and th- those ones are only saying that. Be- like there are people saying, oh, hazing's. F-. There's a lot of people saying I was hazed and I turned out fine. Yes. And it, it, it's. Yeah. But but it's also that's because now they're the ones to getting to do the hazing. Yeah. Or I've, I've grown to a place where it's like, they weren't. You know, they weren't there you know they weren't uh, they weren't mature they weren't mentally uh, aware of their actions and how it could affect certain people long term short term stuff like that but so that's really dope man it's dope to hear that you still work or, or that you hit Atlanta running with the music thing I mean with the film thing already you know what I mean so PA um, did you work on any other films while you were down there or you know, yeah, it's been let's let's hear it, man. Yeah, it's been a lot, man. It's been a ride, huh? I was actually I was in the prison scene, the opening scene with uh, in Ant Man. Oh, cool. I saw. Yeah, I saw you post that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. It, that was pretty cool. That was a cool experience. I got 
Enough respect to Paul Rudd, man. He yeah. he stood at that door. It was probably 70, 80 um, predominantly Latino and black males. Yeah. And he stood at, when we, we, we cut the scene, usually cut, and usually, you know, the main actor just disappears. Yeah, goes, goes to the trailer, whatever. Yeah, goes to the trailer, it's gone. He stood, and there was a door that, you know, we were actually in this prison in Georgia, and a real prison. They had it blocked off for us to film. And he stood at the at the cell at the cell door. Yeah. And he shook every single one of our hands. Wow. Said, Thank you, man. Thank you. And, That's wonderful. And it was awesome. It was he didn't have to do that. Um, and it was just awesome for him to pause, which he could have left, but he stayed there and shook every single person's hand and walked out of there um, and appreciated us for, for being there. Man. And that really is I always like telling that story because you don't ever hear anything. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. His character, that's you know, he's showing his character. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's the side of celebrities you really never like. I don't know. Everyone wants to talk about all the bad stuff, but the good stuff doesn't normally get recorded. That's amazing. Yeah, that's dope, man. And it seems like, like it seems like in a lot of his movies, he's just the guy who he's playing. Like he's playing himself yeah. <laughs> in the movie. You know what I mean? So it, it would make sense that he would be that guy because in Ant Man, he's like this super carefree, loving dad yeah. figure, and it's like he would be the guy to. Show his appreciation to the crew, so that's really dope. That's yeah, really dope. And you, you know, other, other Avengers would look at it weird for being appreciated. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Dude, yeah. what are you doing? We gotta go." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> got literally got to go save the world here. It's like I know, but like they've been so helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see ya. It's been a number of um, projects that I've been uh, in, involved with in, in Atlanta, and it's been a blessing, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently teaching uh, social studies. Which oh, no, good. No one knows this. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't made it public. I haven't posted any pictures. Yeah. But um, I'm actually teaching social studies for a private Christian school. This year? Eighth grade. I good. just started in August. Nice. Awesome. And I'm loving it. Oh, man, that's got to so be amazing. I'm teaching U.S. history from a Christian perspective. Wow. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It's pretty Where ugly. Do you, what, what era do you start? Like, I start with Doctrine of Discovery. Yeah. I start with, you know, Columbus. I start wow. with, yeah, Spain. Yeah, England. all the way back. Yeah, just Give them the whole layout. Let's start. The, well, actually, no, I start Genesis. So I start Genesis chapter mm. 1 through 11. Yeah. And then we jump into what was going on in the 1400s, Doctrine of Discovery and all yeah. that. Yeah. And then what gave them the right to seek out these lands yes, that did not that. have non non-Christian Europeans yes. in any land that had them you have the right to, to claim that land yep. so we go into that wow. and talk about the country starting up yep. we talk about the differences who was there the pilgrims versus the Puritans and yeah. all of that we get into that and then we get into the 13 colonies yeah. and we're getting ready to jump right into American Revolution wow. 1776 so it's 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 that's cool. It's been like two months. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be interesting dude. and fascinating. But it's also gotta be great to be teaching the imp- you know important things these days. Yeah, that's Good. one of those things that I, I didn't get into until my adulthood, which was history, like yes. like unaltered history. You know, finding books that will teach you, not teach you, but lay out the whole landscape. Unbiased. They don't give a damn. They don't be like, yes. No, and I remember the shit I learned in social studies, and yeah, that's actually part of the problem. It's like I still think about that as if I learned it in school. It's I'm like, wait a second, no, no, no. Let's take a few steps back. Yeah, it's like half half of the truth that I've learned about history was outside of school, and if if not seventy five percent, you know, ninety percent of it. And um, it wasn't until like uh, 
2013, 2014. Um, where I had, <clears throat> I had seen this dude, he was like, he's he, let's call him a YouTube influencer type guy. He's always like telling you how to make money, how to do this, how to do that, very successful, hyper successful guy. So one thing I picked up from him was reading. He was like, I read at least 10 books a month. He was like, mm-hmm. I can't tell you what every page says, but I could give you, I could give you knowledge. Yeah. And after that, and then he, he made a book list too for his uh, subscribers. I started going through his, his book list. A lot of it was history based. Mm-hmm. And I start tracing the history, tracing the history, and um, you know books like Stolen Legacy, or um, uh, what is it? Something Civilization. Uh, it's like the origins of civilization. It's mm-hmm. it's by two very well, uh, like well well established historians, Will and Ariel Durant. It's a very very acclaimed book, and reading that, and then reading just reading how we came to be over here, out out of everything that happened over there. It kind of gives you an insight as to like, yo, it's it all trickles back to just greed and power, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is repeating itself. You know, stolen legacy where it teaches you how the Greeks stole a lot of um, a lot of the teachings from Egypt, Egyptian. yeah, and and Northern Africans, mm-hmm. and so I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm like, this makes so much sense as to why, like, why every every Middle Eastern character we see on TV is white, or every every Asian character we see on TV is white. It's like. It's like, fam, this this started since before I was born. This this whitewashing, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's where they're indoctrinating a whole ideology on kids growing up at, and being told this is our history. You know, as Americans, let's be proud. We're yep. such a great country. Where it's like, no, like, it's okay to not be, you know, to have chips in your armor. Yeah. You know, it's okay to embrace that and move forward from that. Because if you don't talk about it. You're gonna brush it away or downplay it. Where in, in reality, it's like America be- needs to acknowledge its shame. Like, yeah. like that's because like it's not like an elephant in the room, but but you know, America can never truly. I don't know if heal is the right word, but but America can't actually address the fucking problems because it's still too busy trying to pretend they don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Right. or that they weren't at the root of it or played a part. Yeah, in that, that's like honestly, I, I get in arguments with people online pretty regularly, and one of the <laughs> things I've I've started skipping to every time it's about law enforcement is that police in America were never for the people. Like the the original law law enforcement in America were were for uh, arresting prostitutes and hunting down slaves. Yep. And, and like, 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 we didn't start off on a good track, and, and like, like, and no one ever wants to have that conversation about like, it's not like Amer- our law enforcement system is broken. Our law enforcement system was, you know, d- designed, like, designed to be oppressive by men for men long time ago. Well, yeah. White men, I should clarify. <laughs> yeah. A long, long, long time ago, and and people never seem to, I don't know, want to start like yeah, start the conversation there. Yeah. It's always well, my uncle's a cop and he would never shoot anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Bro, what? What are you talking about? Why are you? It's irrelevant. You know what I mean? But that's good. That's real good. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So that's beautiful, man. So, social studies. Um, kind of off track, but like relevant is I've been seeing a lot of hip hop artists in the classroom recently. Um, Mega Ram from Phoenix, Arizona. He's he's been known to be a teacher for years. Um, but even here in Boston, Acrobatic is teaching his own class. You got. Um, is it Mickey Fax in New York? I don't know if it's Mickey or, or he. somebody brought him in. But I know somebody else in New York, like a, a esteemed rapper, is doing in the classroom now. And uh, goes to the machine from Worcester. Shout out, and, and Well, he's actually in Boston, but yeah. I consider him from Worcester. Um, goes to the machine, shout out to him. He's he's a teacher in the classroom, and he, he teaches history as well. Um, we were talking about it the other day. 
and Kanan, shout out to Kanan, he's, he's a, he's a hip hop artist in the classroom, and it's like, to see all this, and, and to recognize that it is attainable, and that, yo, this gift that we share for hip hop, and for the love of the culture, and the understanding and preservation of this history, and this, this cultivation of peace for everybody, to be able to share that in the classroom now, is like, mind-blowing you know what i mean to be able to, to say that yo i teach a hip-hop class in a college university yeah. you know that's heavy yeah. that's yeah, i did that for heavy. seven years you know i did that I mean? for seven years at worcester state and at um springfield college it's <clears throat> crazy man awesome. and that one of the gentlemen actually came and one of the gentlemen that came to me last night he said hey man i was looking through the sociology department over here at worcester state and I saw your curriculum from 2014. <laughs> it was two. I did it from 2007 to 2014. It was called Post Civil Rights Era Movement, the, the hip hop. Yeah. And, and and what happened after civil rights? Yeah. And so um, he said, Yo, are you able to teach that online, man? I want to talk. You know, let's talk about. I said, Man, I'm in Atlanta. He said, Yeah, I want you to do online teaching. Yeah, zoom it. Yeah. So I mean, that's awesome. And yeah. that I mean, that's the other thing. It's like everything's online these days. You could teach virtually anywhere. Yeah. But literally virtually anyway. Yes. <laughs> so this is this is awesome. Man. Epic, wow. man. Epic, epic, epic. So Atlanta, and you're still doing music, right? Still, you know what I'm saying? Recording some new, that new. song Wop, man. That's one of my favorite bro, you like my girl was getting pissed at me because of how often I would be singing that song. You know what wow. I mean? Because I'm one of those guys that it's like if I hear a song and I like it, like I'm gonna wake up with the song in my head. Yeah, I'm gonna be singing it throughout the day. You know what I mean? You know, bro, that song I can't say it enough. Like I was, I had that on um, rotation, man. Yeah, Thank um, you, man. Yeah. So, it, like, long story short, he just put a spin on WAP uh, to celebrate women and empower women. Okay. His daughters were in the music video, and the music video was amazingly shot, by the way. Like yeah. the quality. I like still to this day I'm like yo like you can see like the blemishes on his face like this is amazing quality you know what I mean you're in the wheelchair that's awesome that was, yeah that's it a, was it was funny because um, I gave him a day off of school so like they didn't have to go to school yeah. they shot the video all on like a Thursday so they didn't have to go to school oh, they're they're like, oh man yeah, they're, they're in they the, the, the makeup artist was there they were doing them up and the whole <laughs> thing but what was cool about um, the layout was pretty much I really wanted to try to figure out how can we uplift and put this a different spin on yes. that. How can we uplift the women and take something that was so, you know, raunchy. Yeah, That's yeah. the only word for it because it's raunchy. Yeah. And and give it a different a different spin. And yeah. so for them and the girl who produced it, she was it was a yes, female. Yep, made the beat. Yeah, she made the beat, and so I had all women that, was that a crazy went in. Beat. And I was talking to some dudes about the track, and the dudes like. Man, this you know, nah, it's you know, you, you gotta change the floor, man. You sound too old and this and that. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right, perfect. Old. Yeah. So I got in a wheelchair and had my daughters push me around like I'm in a nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Like if you're gonna be a dude in it, be a representative of the yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Dude, yeah. Let's go. No, that music video deserves an award, man. That I love I can't even tell you. I shared it probably at least ten times. Nice. I was listening to it constantly. It's just like it's so clever but it's wholesome you yeah. know because it's like you see the video and it's like i mean not everybody might not know it's not it's your daughters but it's like you see the video and it's like yo this is amazing <laughs> you know i, I mean? can't wait to show it to Haley. no you gotta that. yeah you gotta watch it you gotta watch it yeah. thank you yeah 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 so yeah man um 
I guess what's next for Domingo? What's on your plate? What do you have in your sights or that you're working on now that you're super proud of? Aside from the teaching gig, because that sounds amazing. Yeah, the teaching is taking up a lot uh, of my mental space. I am heavily involved in my church. Yeah. But I would say what's next for me is the feature length. So we did the short version of YTF, which I mean, is 46 minutes. So yeah. it wasn't really a short. It's not short, short. It was like yeah. a five minute short. So it was 46 minute short that you know October 2012 we had said at the end of it to be continued okay yeah we would be getting the funds together and that has been um, I went down a seven and a half year process of really working on just a screenplay okay so the screenplay we worked on from 2014 to 2021 oh that that I just did not expect that it was going to take seven (laughs) years that amount of work yeah what? So what, what exactly is the screenplay? Screenplay. So, like, like, what part of the process and what what's involved in that? Because I have no clue about any of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I told y'all, I, t- I paid sixty bucks, took a course, and yeah. shot YTF. Oh yeah, let's, how hard is the screenplay? Yeah. Wait, so is it, it's the script? Yes. The okay. Script. So we did that first, and but when you watch YTF, you'll see that from a story standpoint, it has a lot of holes. Why are these people walking around aimlessly? What is going on? And it's really poorly written. Okay, so it's amateur. Mm-hmm. It's very amateur as far as the writing. Yes. So when I went and I hired two award-winning screenplay writers, and they looked at my script and was like, uh, no. This is, <laughs> this is absolutely not going to work. And I battled for basically like two and a half years with one of the writers yeah and she was like listen you can't you, you can't do this this is not gonna work this is not gonna go from this to a finished result you're not you're not it's yeah. not and so i battled with her then i brought in another screenplay writer and he and said, ah, let's keep going yeah okay this is not gonna work domingo yeah he regurgitated so like, it yeah how hard is yeah, the screenplay? What am I doing? Yeah, or what then tell me what I need to change at the very least. Everything. That's um, what they were saying. So, yeah, and so and I fought, I fought with them for years, <laughs> and I would say around 2018. So about four years into it, it's I was like, I get what this. I get what they. I you know they. Um, my man Ty man, shout out to Ty. He he was working with me. He wouldn't take money from me. Um, he has stuff on Netflix. He, he's, he's doing well for himself, him and his production company. He wouldn't take money from me. He was just saying, look, man, you got you read this book, read this, and then hit me up. And then I would I would go meet with big producers talking about my film project. And they're like, nah, it's not ready, it's not ready. So after Ty telling me, I think it was one was Save the Cat, and it was another movie, another book. When he, we read it and we talked about Home Alone, and we talked about the structure of Home Alone, that's when it hit me like, I get what you. And then I felt sorry for the sister. I was like, she was trying to tell me this. Yeah, years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And I just didn't. You just know. couldn't understand it because you I were looking understand. at it from a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, how hard, how hard is the screenplay? Yeah. Once we 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 analyzed Home Alone, and then it kind of clicked. I was like. I watched Home Alone like twice. So it's like a storyline, the the models, the framework? Yeah. And I was like, ah, I get it. And I know they're saying that you can't have 
cookie cutter and you can't um, model other way things other people have done stuff. But I mean, there's also a limited number of ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There is a number of ways to do it for what I was trying to do and what I was trying to get them to help me to do. Yeah. The story is king. You have to have a strong story. And I'm just, I'm a video guy, I'm a music guy, so yeah. it's like, I just want to have visuals yes. and then have yep. good music and good <laughs> editing and make it look good and let's just make a movie. Yeah. I'm not really concerned too much about the no, story. No, storytelling is what all the, it's what, it's what brings in. everyone in. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunately the most important part of it. And yeah. that's what took seven and a half years. Yeah. Wow. And but Love. now we have a strong st now we have a strong story. Mm -hmm. And we shot a teaser and we put the teaser out. We raised I was trying to raise um seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow. We raised fourteen thousand. Okay. So I mean it's not zero. It's not, not zero, zero. But it is a long ways away from yes. seven hundred thousand. <laughs> it's a production budget. So, but <laughs> we are still on that grind. So yeah. that's where I'm at now. I'm not going to give up. It's been 15 years that I've had this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You're not going to give up now. No way. So no that's way. sort of where I'm at now, man. And yeah. I'm looking forward to the final product being done. Me too. Man. Yeah, Me that's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Cool. Yeah, man. So uh, anything else before we end up? Okay. Oh, anything? man, you guys have been awesome, man. I appreciate the opportunity just to kind of walk through my journey and talk about what things have happened and where we've gotten, how, how we got here. And yeah, of people just don't think about it while they because, you know, have you ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can? No. Okay. Yeah, it, Leo, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, yep. but, but so, so the, it, one of my favorites because it's about this guy who's like, you know, he's 16 and he starts forging checks and then uh, impersonates a uh, flight attendant because everyone respects not flight attendant flight uh, pilot because everyone respects them and he would no longer have trouble catching checks and I, anyways th this it's based on a true story the guy is now like 60 and he did a, a, a google talk a few years ago and in a question about it people asked him someone asked him well, like what were you thinking like what's going on and he tells the story he's like i didn't plan any of it i just kept doing the next thing like in the movie they'll depict him like looking up and seeing a sign and like they show how he got to an idea but, but that's actually it. And no one ever fucking thinks about this. Like, you know, you've done so many impressive, amazing things and are doing large things. And people, you know, are, are going to think, oh, you must have figured it out here. You're going to do it here. Sometimes, like, with the helping people, it's just choosing to be a good person and, and help the other people around you. But so many of the things, you had it, you, you saw an opportunity and you freaking ran with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great to realize that and talk about that. Yeah, I think a piece to that is I've always, like, for instance, Byron Hurt, he was working, so I'm, I've been working on my film for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, Byron Hurt working on the film, cool, let me be a PA. Let me go and be an extra in Ant-Man. Mm -hmm. Let me go and, you know, I would be, if there was an opportunity that, would, that uh, I was allowed, I would do music for other people's I mean, films. That's how you figure yeah. out that you like shit, or yeah. or don't. I um, I helped a friend uh, with uh, with roofing her house about three years ago, and uh, determined one, I never want to fucking be on a slanted roof <laughs> like that. Like like that was way outside of my comfort zone. I was good at picking up the fucking uh, screws because of my magnet, but uh, and I, I made uh, one of my best friends there, and uh, you know I'm still friends with they they are they're now married actually, uh, are being across the country, but. You know, I did it for half an hour. I learned I never want to fucking be on a roof again, and that's that. But there's other people who, you know, that's like that. That you know could have started a, a roofing career for me, for all I freaking know. <laughs> no, and that's yeah. a good point because when I did the short YTF, I realized I hated directing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah, I didn't want to direct. I was like, I do not like, the, you know, slamming the joint and 
take run, do this and that. You know, rolling camera speed and action. Like I hate, I hate. But there's that other stuff. people who that is exactly yes. what they want to do. And I directed mm -hmm. YTF. I did not direct the teaser that we shot. Yeah. And the teaser came out so much better because I didn't have my hands involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that sometimes is good for us yeah, to, to just let other people shine. Empower yeah. other people. To, yeah, to as soon as the as soon as the cameras were set up and everything was set up, I drove downtown. I'm like, I just want to leave. I don't even want to be there. <laughs> and it was perfect. It was my project, but I didn't have to. If I, I felt like if you I didn't was have there, to micromanage. If I was there, I would have messed up something. My, yeah. my employee told me the it wasn't other day. it wasn't the way that I viewed the it. Vision. Yes. Yeah. But but all my, my employee told me the other day that he he works uh, he's better with customers when I'm not right there. Like yes. because when I'm downstairs and I'm not listening. He's better with customers, and like that's just because you know. Then he's not worried about someone else watching him. He's doing it the way he should, not yes. the way he's worried about me seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, stepping out and letting people do their thing, like that's yeah. You empowered others, and then trusted them to do their job. And they did that. And they did it. The thing, came, and then they got to one point where they said, "Hey, man, listen. You said you wanted it this way. It, it's you know it, the way things. Are. I said, listen, just run, run with what you think is the best." Yep. And I love what they did. Yeah. They just came out awesome. So that was another lesson. Yep. Yeah. 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 Some of the best creative stuff that's happened. I, it's, I feel these podcast decisions were totally like, let's just try it this way, and then it, we and just then, ran yeah, with it. And ran with it. I mean, that's how we ended up here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the door open every time, we we, we just literally it, it, was it was just was, hot in the summer, and we were like, you just leave it open, and, and then add it as a soundtrack. Yeah, and it, it works. You nice. Catch some cars. Catch the music. Catch a, a bomb, yeah, right? bomb exploding. That camera is actually one of the ones that's working. So I'm looking forward to looking later and seeing what the hell happened. Yeah. Wow. Checking the footage. Yeah. Yeah, let me know. Take some pictures. Man. We'll Take do. Some pictures. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. Okay. Um, any shout outs? Anyone else you'd like to? Okay. I yeah. just want to, I, I do. I want to yeah. shout out just Worcester. Yeah. yeah. Worcester as a whole, man. It, it welcomed me and me in. It allowed me to dream. It allowed me to, to, to fall. It allowed yeah. me to get up. Yeah. I, and, and I just, I love Worcester. It's my second home. Like, home away from home. My first home being Boston. My second home being Worcester. My third home. In Atlanta now, yeah, yes, yeah. and it is what it is, man. Worcester will always have a special place in my heart, man. It saved my life, literally, literally. My white Hen Pantry, <laughs> white Hen Pantry, get white owls. Yep, white owls, man. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't used one of those white owls and and, back, and, and backwards, <laughs> backwards. Yeah, that's what that's what the kids are using these days. So that, yeah, but you know, we were we were doing that, creating the little bats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Creating the little bats out of them, and, and but that's really how it started, man. And I just I love Worcester, I love the hip hop scene here, it's, it's, and it's gonna continue to just get bigger and better. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you all for your for your time and let me allow me to. I'm to glad we did this today. Thing. Yeah, me too, man. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. <laughs>